Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! Hi there, hello, and welcome, Rattler and Bobcat fans, to another awesome edition of Claws to the Wall. I'm your host, Justin Brown, and I am joined with no other than Colton Gibson, Kobe Jackson, and the John Carlo Cacho joining us for today. Thank you for joining us, John. Well, guys, we got a great episode for you today. We got Texas State sports, you got Rattler sports, and nationals. But before we start with any of that, we got to do the Bobcat recap, and we're going to start with the first sport. And that's going to be Texas State soccer. Texas State soccer wins the last weekend as they played against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Now, the Bobcats are 10-2-2, two and two, and in the Sun Belt, they're 4-1-1. One one. Now, that game was a 2-1 final score. It was a game that we saw in the final 50 seconds. We saw Olivia Wright, the Bobcat, for the Bobcats. She just goes in, kicks it, 50 seconds left, and she wins. Guys, I want to hear your thoughts on that. That dedication to the offense, not giving up in the final 50 seconds, not being consistent, you know, inconsistent and just getting a draw. What does this say about this team? Yeah, the Bobcats' soccer season is wrapping up now, and they have probably played their toughest matchups. They, you know, got their second loss of the season against a really good JMU team that has just been taking care of business in all athletic programs in the Sun Belt so far since joining. But something the Bobcats showed here is they know how to play with their backs against the wall. You know, they went down 3 nothing in that TCU game, that the other one that they lost. And, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, maybe they don't know how to play from behind right now. And they they played with a one-to-one tie. And with 50 seconds left, Olivia Wright puts in that, that go-ahead goal to win the game. And this proves now that they know how to play when they're not ahead. And with a few games left, and they're sitting at the top of the Sun Belt, a few games left before they go to the tournament, the the Bobcats are really taking care of business, and they, you know, I think they're on their hot streak right now, and they are going to have, you know, a really easy track to get to the the top of that Sun Belt tournament. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, we were talking about the soccer team, how they have been, you know, in a level of consistency. I know Colton, like you said, that James Madison loss kind of kind of bug them a little bit and then obviously the tie that happened against Georgia Southern uh, about a month ago so but other than that the soccer team has has great potential it's been a really awesome season for them and you know got having another game against Troy but if you kind of look at you know everything that happened Maddie Goss you know with the penalty kick and then obviously you know like you said Olivia Wright with that fit that 40 49 second uh last uh last goal for uh for the game winner uh but everything that they have done all this season has not changed and honestly i honestly don't think there should be any changes made i know they got to make adjustments uh depending on the team that they play but everything that they have done up until now has been absolutely you know unbelievable but honestly i wouldn't change anything if you know if you're talking about you know the mindset or the level of playing style that they play so i wouldn't this bobcat team is very consistent that is true and i'll say it once and i'll say it again this bobcat team is just they're just great, and they've just had a lot of success, especially with their first-year coach. <laughs> and just the way that they play, they play for each other. They're close. You know, they have a good chemistry. I've talked to many of the players and the coach. They all know that they 
they all know their roles, um, the goal for the season. And I've spoken about how they started games and how they started the half, sometimes looking a little laggy um, and just tired, just look like their legs uh, are under them. But the way that they've been playing these past few matches have just been uh, perfect, um, to say the least, on defense and offense. Um, the one thing I want to point out is uh, the way that they are able to get corner kicks and capitalize off those opportunities like they did against the UL Warhawks and getting seven corners against the Raging Cajuns, um, and also being able to outshoot opponents, gain 13 shots, only allowing the K- Raging Cajuns to get eight and six shots on goal. But the one thing I do want to point out with them is their fouls and their physicality. Uh, sometimes they are a little too physical. Uh, sp- soccer is a physical sport, obviously, but you just got to watch the way that um, you play the game and make sure you play clean. And some of those fouls and penalties can cost you, cost the score, uh, cost the goal or the game. So just... I just want them to be careful with that for the rest of the season. Yeah, you, you really got to pl- – you can't play sloppy. You got to play good defense. You can't get penalties, and you're going to win some games. And we know this team can win games because they're 10-2-2. Two, and two. and this is a record we have never seen before uh, – we haven't seen in recent years from the soccer team. And and I just want to mention why this is the way it is. It's because you have Caitlin Christman giving you three saves in this game. She's blocking. She's doing great in the goal. And then you got Maddie Goss. She's a sophomore from Garland, Texas. And she now has the record for the most penalty kicks scored in the season, which is four right now. So she's doing great. And and not to mention, you have Maddie Goss, who just won Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Week in September 27th a few weeks ago. So this team has the personnel to go all the way, and I don't even see another loss on their schedule probably because they're just going to go all the way with it. Now, speaking of the next few games they have, the next one they will have is at the Troy Trojans that are 3-6-3, and 1-2 and two in Sunbelt, and they're going to be playing them Sunday, October 16th at 1 p.m. in Troy, Alabama, so you can stream that game on ESPN Plus to support the Bobcats. The other Bobcat team we're going to be talking about today is a team that went flawless over the weekend, and they got a 3-0 and sweep over the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and that's the volleyball team. The volleyball team now at Texas State is 13-5 and overall, 5-1 and in Sunbelt. This was a huge game. You see Emily DeWalt getting more and more assists every single year, and now she has won another award, Colton. Is that correct? Emily DeWalt is definitely cementing herself as one of the best Texas State athletes in, in school history, receiving her 23rd career Sunbelt Setter of the Week and the fifth of this season, which ties her junior season uh, and is only one behind her freshman season where she got six. But she is really just, you know, brought her name to, to the highest level with, you know, all of the setter of the weeks, four setter of the year awards, probably going to get a fifth one. And <laughs> recently, you know, passed the top spot for the Texas State all-time assists and is just 164 assists from the Sunbelt Conference's all-time career assist mark. So she is doing all of the things, and it shows with the record, too. The, vo- the, the rest of the team has just followed her lead, and they are playing phenomenally. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about uh, this volleyball team, everything that they have done so far in this season has kind of proved itself. And, you know, I was there when I was watching uh, – then play James Madison on Friday when they lost uh, 3-2. to two. It was a tight game. It was a tough, tough matchup. Um, and then, obviously, I wasn't there the Saturday that they played, that they won. But, you know, for them to bounce back to have, as a total of 5-4, to four, to come back and win 6-0 is absolutely a big and big-time improvement for this, uh, for this volleyball team. And everything that they have done 
leading up to this point has been nothing short of just greatness. You know, great, you know, training, great training, great, you know, great practices, and then obviously them producing when it when it comes to game time. And you know, I know the turn we were talking about uh, earlier on in the tournaments how you know you were playing in some areas. You know, it's a different style now. It's conference play now. You're kind of going to one area, come back home, going to another area, coming back home. So it's kind of a it's like a pattern that we're seeing. But everything that they have done has been nothing short of greatness, and they got another big-time conference matchup against Southern Miss this weekend, and it's actually my birthday weekend, so I'm actually pretty pleased about that. Ooh. So uh, you never know. Let's, you know, anything could happen, in, you know, as far as the Bobcats volleyball team goes. Yeah, this volleyball team, like I've said before and in, um, in the earlier part of the season, they've just had a – I noticed some communication issues, um, some reaction time, just – but as the season has gone on, they've just had more fun together. They've been playing together. Um, they seem like they just have a good chemistry overall. Um, and they've been playing a lot sharper. The way that they attack and they just play with aggression is uh, an obvious point that you can see in <coughs> excuse me, in every match that they play, especially against uh, conference teams. Uh, you know, it being the Sun Belt, Fun Belt, like it is just the way that they play and the way that they execute games. And um, the game plan is just... You can see it um, throughout in every match and every set that they play. Um, just getting, um, <coughs> excuse me, just getting kills and attacks um, throughout the whole match is an apparent uh, point, important point for them to make in every game. And the way that they've been playing has just brought them success. And that you can see it in the coaching staff and in the players that the way they play is just a, an aggressive play style that has led them to success in the conference play and the way that they've just been going out. Um, throughout the season. So if they just continue that, they'll have uh, success going into our postseason. 100% John Carlo. I, I think that this team's chemistry is a big reason why they're doing amazing. And Sean Hewitt, he always just wants to go by Sean to his team, to his players. He doesn't want to be some coach. He wants to be a role model to them. And mm -hmm. he was talking about the first game of the year. He was just saying the hardest part about this is just getting a starting lineup on the floor. And we, we see the progressions this team has made throughout the season so far. And one progression is Lauren Teske. Lauren Teske, she appeared for the first time in a while last Friday when she was playing against JMU. She had nine kills in that game. She doubled it for 18 on Saturday. And then you look in this series against the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. And on that second game against the Raging Cajuns, she's the leading leader in kills in that game with 18 kills. And she also had 11 digs. So that mm -hmm. redshirt senior is doing great things with a double-double. And also I'd just like to mention that this team – this team that they faced was not supposed to be an easy easy sweep. No. If you look at the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, in the last 12 sets they played, they won 11 of them. Mm -hmm. So this team was coming in off of a win streak, and they came to Strahan, and the Bobcats completely responded with an entire sweep. So huge sweep for the Bobcats, and they're going to be looking to do it again. Volleyball will be playing Southern Miss Golden Eagles. That are The Golden Eagles are 12-6 and six overall, 4-2 and two in Sun Belt, and that'll be Friday at 6 p.m., and Saturday at 2 p.m. at Strahan Arena. So definitely go check out the Bobcats at home this weekend or catch that game on ESPN+. Now, guys, we're going to have to take a transition back from college sports, and we're going to have to arrive to high school sports because the Rattlers had a big game last Friday. The Rattlers just beat the Clemens Buffaloes 28-24 to last Friday. Colton, I know you got to go to that game. What did you see in that game, Colton, and why did they get away with this win? Yeah, me and Paxton were up in the box calling this game, and 
something I've talked about all season is the Rattlers' ability to close out games. They've been in control of games, and they have allowed teams to come back and take them to overtime or even beat them in, in regular time, as we saw with the Eagle Pass game. So they finally were able to close out a game and get a win. And it was Jaden Brown was the difference maker. He had a slow first quarter, and we talked about that when calling it. And then in the second quarter through the end of the game, he was on fire, had three touchdowns. And the last one, the game winner, he kind of dove into the end zone. And it was it was very exciting, a very fun atmosphere. The fans were all into it. The defense played extremely well. It responded and played well when they needed to. And the Rattlers just need to bring this team out every game. And it, it leads to wins. And it's a, a very important win, you know, looking towards next week against Steele. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I was kind of alluding to this earlier on Bobcat Radio um, that Sam Marcus has not been known for, you know, known for sports in such a long time. But to finally see this like new wave of, of talent being brought into the Sam Marcus culture, it's been it's been really awesome for people who've been in who've been living in San Marcos for such a long time, who went to San Marcos High School when it used to be where uh you know, where Mendez for all the people who don't know Mendez uh elementary school, that's where the San Marcos High School used to be at a long time ago. But um that's another story for another day. But as far as the San Marcos Rattlers go, like you said, Colton, a, a really big win against uh Samuel Clemens. I had the pleasure I had the pleasure of listening to you guys uh call the game and uh Still a phenomenal job that y'all did. But the game itself was just unbelievable. It was crazy. It was unbelievable. You know, uh, this team just has so many flaws. I know we were kind of talking about earlier on in the year that how penalties have been have been a really big deal for this Rattlers team, especially that first game against Huddle. That was just unimaginary, 15 penalties in, fr- in just the first half alone. But they've kind, of, they've kind of gotten a little bit better on limiting those. I know there's kind of been, kind of been games here and there where they've been kind of kind of making like you know dumb penalties but they've kind of you know finally you know rejoiced their steps and having better control of them so this is going to this is a tough matchup you know Isaiah DeLeon Jacob Rodriguez Schultz and Jaden Brown have been the work the workload especially on the run uh, the uh, the running game and then obviously Tony Diaz of the kind of the star receiver of this you know this Rattlers team Let's just hope that we can see that more consistency when they play Steel this weekend or this Friday, excuse me. So I'm looking forward to this matchup against Cibolo Steel. I'll be on the call with Kyle Owen. So we will see where this Rattler team goes because it's going to be it's either going to be make or break for for either team. This Rattler team definitely needs to play um, more consistent like you spoke, uh, Kobe. The way that they've just been starting off in the beginning of the season is, you know, haven't been able to finish games. Um, looking iffy on offense and defense, just no consistency overall as a team, and they need that going against uh, the Cibolo Steel Knights. Um, I've had a few cousins play for Cibolo. They're a tough mm. program. Yeah. Um, I know the work ethic that they put in. That's why they have so much success. And against going against this rally team, which you know they don't have a chance of going to the playoffs because they're banned. But still, you want to prevent other teams from having success, mm-hmm. and you still want to have a winning record overall, just to know that you can go into next season and the following seasons with a good future and uh, with the students that you have there. Remember, these are kids, and you know they're trying to get through classes and you know growing up and get through all that's all that stuff that high school kids go through. But at the end of the day, it's game time, and you need to show up and play for each other as a you know those are your brothers that you play for on the field, and you just have to play together as one, especially going against tough opponents. And speaking of tough opponents, their next game that they will be playing, the Rattlers are going to be facing against the Cibolo Steel Knights, who are 6-0 in 
their play so far this season, and that will be this uh, Friday, Friday, October 14th at 7.30 p.m. at the Toyota Rattler Stadium. You will be able to hear no other than Kobe Jackson on the call. Kobe, who will you be doing the call with? Kyle Owen. Yeah, Kyle Owen will be on there as well, so definitely check them out. That will be on KTSW 89.9, and that pregame will start around 7.20 p.m., yeah, so roughly. tune in around there. Now, speaking of football and speaking of winning, there was a huge win for the Bobcats this past <laughs> weekend, and that is on the football team. The football team played against App State at home in the football stadium, and guess what? They got a good win. They got a great win, and that's a win that's 36-24. to 24. And this is against a team that they have never won against. Since they played each other the first time in the year 2004, the Bobcats wow. were 0-6 against App State, and this matchup is the contrary. We've seen the Bobcats get a huge win here, guys. I want to hear what y'all's takeaway from this game is. It was just a huge game on all cylinders. I don't even know if there was, you know, some flaws to both the, to some of these special teams. I mean, these teams because they all looked good. So, guys, what what are your thoughts on this game? So, you mentioned had that they haven't beaten them since 2004, which is adds well, up. Well, since to the first time they ever played, since which was the first time before, they've never won against them. Yeah, so that was that was a time where I was just beginning my my educational school year. So that was my kindergarten year, my first year, um, but. I was pleasantly I – I wouldn't say I was surprised. I was more surprised of how consistent they were because if you look at the stats of this game, you know, Lane Hatcher didn't have that bad of a game. He had – it was – actually, he actually had a pretty good game, 26 for 36, uh, 281 passing yards, two touchdowns, only through one interception. I know the interception, like I said, kind of kills a little bit, especially on the stat sheet. But their offense was moving. But the real thing I was more impressed about – is their rushing game. They rushed they had tw a total of 29 carries for 77 yards. I know that doesn't sound a lot, but if you look at how they actually did it on the field, it was actually outstanding. For Lincoln, it was mostly Lincoln Pair with 20 carries for 64 yards. He was in apps. I know that stat kind of doesn't prove itself, but if you actually watched him like actually play, he was a very physical runner in that game. So, and the Bobcat, and, and obviously, uh, Appalachian State Mountaineers couldn't really stop him, really couldn't stop him, especially on the ground game. But, I mean, this Bobcat team absolutely did its job, especially on the defensive side, holding them to, you know, only holding them to three points in the first half and then continue their dominance, especially that one, uh, the pick six that they had in the sec in the second half with a 94-yard interception touchdown return. So that was big, especially and the crowd was, you know, excited for it. But that that was a that's a good spark for this Bobcat team and you know hoping they can continue conference play as the season continues. Yeah, you mentioned the crowd and on Saturday there was twenty five thousand six hundred thirteen fans, which is the seventh largest crowd in Bobcat wow. Stadium history and the largest ever for a Sunbelt game. And they continue their success at home. They're undefeated at home this year, but they haven't won a game on the road. And now they go on the road to take on a really tough Troy team. But interesting thing to watch for this weekend is, you know, right before we started the show, I read that if Texas State beats Troy and South Alabama loses, Texas State will be at the top of the Sunbelt West Woo. for football, which I never thought would be words coming out of my <laughs> mouth, if we're being completely honest. So that's something really fun to watch and just shows that the Bobcats are having a phenomenal season and I think it might be the bowl year. Possibly. 
and you, you speak of these the, that huge interception that we had, and that came by no one else besides Tory Spears. And, mm-hmm. and there's something very interesting about this fact. Tory Spears had a 94-yard touchdown off of an interception. He also had a career high of 12 tackles in that game. And he is the yeah. first Sunbelt player to ever do a 93-yard interception, uh, a 94-yard interception, <laughs> my bad, and 12 tackles since a Sunbelt player did that in 2014. So he's the first wow. guy to do it in years, so eight years. And that's why he has won. Troy Spears has been named Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Week. And we saw the Seth Keller, the kicker, mm-hmm. on the special teams for the Bobcats. He gets Special Teams Player of the Week. So definitely a huge win for the Bobcats and the Sun Belt awards them, you know, accordingly because this is a huge win and a win that many people were not expecting and 25,000 fans got to see. So huge game for the for the Bobcats. You know, if you even look at the stats here, you see Chase Bryce, he has more, you know, passing, passing yards, yards than, yeah. than Hatcher. And if you even look at the rushing yards, they're very similar. This game really came out to defense and mm-hmm. these huge interceptions for Tory Spears. So great recognition for them and I'm pretty sure Spavadol is just preaching how great they are on defense so and special teams. So good for the Bobcats. Now, we do mention the Bobcats are going to be playing the Troy Trojans. And, Woo. guys, I just have to share something that may not be the best news. If you thought that the record for the Bobcats in App State was bad, they lost six times in a row. Bobcats have never beat App State in history until now. Well, guess what? Bobcats have never beat Troy since the first time they played in 2013. They are 0-7 against Troy Trojans. The last matchup was 28-31. to Wow. So... The Bobcats are definitely going to have to step up again. I The thing I've seen about this team is that they always win against teams that they know they're going to win against. If mm-hmm. you see how they play against HCU, it seemed like HCU barely even had a football team on the field, <laughs> and it seemed like the Bobcats <laughs> shredded through them and it had a huge blowout win. So you would like to see the Bobcats win games that mm-hmm. they're not expected to win, and that's App State, and this should be Troy Trojans as well. They need to be consistent. We need to see Lincoln Perry. Lincoln Perry, by the way, just to just to share some information on Lincoln Perry, that man can bench 512 pounds. Jesus. So he's benching a refrigerator, and you're telling me he's <laughs> a running back. I'm telling you, I don't know who you are and how you're going to stop this man, but he's going to throw you across the field. So Lincoln Perry, huge running back for the Bobcats, doing great things. He's going to need to step up in the Troy Trojans. Is there anything you guys like to talk about before this, you know, this this upcoming matchup with the Trojans? I just want to say, of course, Sexy State University gets the win, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like you said, uh, Lingham Perry is a tough player. The way that he just, you know, he's he's able to move direction so quickly. He's uh, agile but tough as well and strong. The way that he plays is just a great um, addition for the offense. Of course, Lane Hatcher hasn't been the most consistent. I still trust Lane Hatcher more than uh, Bray McBride of last year, which I would love to see him play one snap in this game that would be <laughs> pure I, justice it would have right. been so great i was there at the game and we started chanting like we want mcbride we want mcbride but <laughs> it didn't happen it didn't happen Chris, christmas did not come early so <laughs> but the way that this team just played they played a really perfect game in the first half overall against app state and we basically beat a&m just saying but <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i'll just play but the way that they played this game and the way they execute on offense and defense is the way they need to go into every game, no matter what opponent, if it's Baylor, if it's HCU, if it's a conference opponent, that's the way that the Bobcats need to play. And that's what's going to give them success, especially for Spavadol, who's been in the hot seat. Yeah, and if we kind of compare to what uh, they did against Appalachian State to uh, you know, possibly preview against Troy, is that Troy actually had better... If you look at Troy's last uh, game against... Excuse me, sorry, this is going to take a little bit. Against Southern Miss, thank you. Um, it's been... It was a dominant performance, especially on the defensive side of the ball, only holding them to 10 points. Um, 
you know, I, uh, especially on the run, the on the ground because they had total 130 yards rushing total altogether in the game. So if I were Texas State, I would probably focus on their run defense and you know try to you know improve on it because I know uh, they've been kind of kind of okay doing it uh, during on the, earlier in the year. But you know if you're the Bobcats, you're thinking to yourself, hey, we got to stop the run game because if you look at the passing game that they had the last game, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't too bad, but not great. You know, it's it wasn't the flawless performance that we're used to seeing. So, but you know, Bobcats have a chance to you know have a chance to beat Troy this year and possibly go up more in conference. Yeah, they do. And you, as you mentioned, they need to play running defense. And the big reason why is because if you look at this Troy team, their leader right now in rushing yards is DK Billingsley, mm-hmm. and he has 316 rushing yards, which is a great number to have. And if you look at the past four games that the Troy Trojans have played i want to tell you what they've won three out of the four games you know what team they lost to app state State. so if anybody has any luck here and if you if you think of football this way oh well we beat app state so we should beat (laughs) texas a&m right (laughs) i don't know about that but yeah so the bobcats will be battling against the troy trojans 2 30 p.m at Texas State, so at, it was a home game. It's going to be homecoming. I was just fixing to say, yeah, this is going to be so twenty five thousand fans showed up last weekend. I don't even, I don't even know how many are going to show up for this one. The Bobcats are undefeated as home, as you mentioned, Colton. So it's going to be a huge game. So come out and support the Bobcats at two thirty p.m. That game will be on ESPN three, and mm-hmm. it will also be on KTSW eighty nine nine. Yes, it will, and it will actually be in Troy. So I'm oh, actually in Troy. Yeah, I'm so good. sorry. No, guys. it's okay. You're good. It's going to be in Troy. Uh, it, but it's their homecoming game, so you know there's going to be a fan turnout for for them. So. I was confused with Southern Miss. <laughs> it's okay. No, the you're weekend good. After. So, yeah, don't good. get confused, Bobcat fans. You don't have to go anywhere today, Just li- uh, anywhere Saturday. Just listen to it on ESPN3 or KTSW 89.9. Now, guys, we're taking a step out of local sports. That's it. We're going to go transition into national sports, guys. There's so much going on right now. We have NFL Week 5 just wrapping up. That was a huge weekend. Guys, is there any game that stood out to you? We got Cooper Rush. That's what stood out to me. Cooper Rush breaking Cowboys record. First Cowboy ever to win the first five of his starts as a quarterback. So if you have a Tony Romo jersey, I think you might need to train that (laughs) in for a Cooper Rush jersey. No, you better better keep that. I don't know. Uh, You better keep that. Yeah, Justin's just trying to find a Cooper Rush jersey. So (laughs) let me know if you have one. But is there any game, guys, that stood out to you this weekend? Uh, I'm going to talk about a team or a game where my favorite team faced off against Kobe's favorite team. Uh, and what the, happened in that? The goal? Buffalo <laughs> Bills had a close game against the Steelers with a 38 to three win. That was uh, close. <laughs> something that stood out to me, like actually, th- I think this is m- a meaningful game for both teams because Josh Allen, you know, has is shown that he struggled against some teams and performed well against other teams and. He, he came in here against a pretty good Steelers defense and kind of tore him apart. You know, Gabe Davis had 171 yards and two touchdowns on only three catches. But I think it's also meaningful for the Steelers side because they know that they have to change something. They've changed the quarterback, and Kenny Pickett has played pretty okay, you know, threw for over 300 yards. But I think the coaching is the next thing that they have to look at. <sighs> You know, Colton, I have a lot of respect <laughs> for you because I know you're a Bills fan, and I have the utmost, Bills Mafia. I have the utmost respect for you. Jeez, but Matt Canada, of uh, the the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, has got to go. 
The Steelers' offense is not moving. Obviously, the switch for Kenny Pickett, I like the move because the dude has got skills and he's got you know a great running ability. He throw he can throw like. He, he can release the ball very quick. He has potential to be possibly the franchise quarterback for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. But you can't be the franchise quarterback and have a really awful offensive coordinator who all he does is run the ball with Najee Harris. Najee Harris has not had the year that we that at least that I, by my standards, has not has not delivered. So I would probably change up probably the running back situation. You know, maybe go on and off with Najee Harris and then Toussaint, who's been absolutely outstanding when he's get, you know come in the game. But the Steelers team is just not there. And obviously the loss to TJ Watt kind of hurts that defensive line, especially that defensive line a little bit. But um, but this it was a painful loss, a very painful loss for for my Pittsburgh Steelers team. But I do see great potential in Kenny Pickett and what he can do, especially all the times he connected with George Pickens during that game. So, but they have they have the weapons. They just got to have a better offensive coordinator, better play calling. It just needs to just be more consistent. And I keep, I I hate to you know beat a dead horse, but everything that the Steelers have done so far, ever since that that win against Cincinnati in the first week, has not changed has not changed a thing. And the fact that they've lost now four you know four in a row is really really concerning about. Uh, the coaching staff, especially, you know, offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Tough. Yeah. Tough. I had to get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me. How about them Cowboys? Woo-hoo! Cooper Rush, the Red Rocket, Red Mamba. I love it. Red Mamba. Red Mamba. That's a new one. That's the energy you'd like to see from Cowboys fans. <laughs> Red Mamba. Red Mamba. He's <laughs> on fire. And the like defense is on fire. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but the defense is on fire, too. This team has just been playing really solid, really good on, on offense and defense. You know, I like to see a little more out of the rushing uh, side of things for the Cowboys. But overall, I can't be, as a Cowboys fan, I can't be too mad um, the way that they've been playing without Dak Prescott. Um, do I think that there'll be a quarterback competition there? Possibly. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, so I just was scrolling through ESPN and want to break the tension about the Cowboys quarterback situation a little bit because Mike McCarthy had a press conference today talking about the Eagles game on Sunday Night Football next week, and he said that Dak Prescott has begun taking snaps and throwing the football and that everybody should prepare to see Cooper Rush start against the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. (laughs) Wow. Why take him out? I mean, he's breaking Dallas Cowboy records. He has 5-0 and oh in his first five starts. I mean, that hasn't wow. been done before by anybody. So yes. I'm glad you cleared the tension, Colton, because that just segues right That's yeah, interesting. He, he said you got to trust the medical process. It's a 17-game season, and I know Dak didn't want to hear it, but you've got to make sure he's right for the long haul, too. Wow. And I think that Cooper Rush might just be the better choice. I think he, he made the right decision there. Cowboys fans are obviously kind of questioning what was going to happen because they're hearing two different things from the coach and the owner. But Cooper Rush is starting against the undefeated Eagles. Wow. Amen. I also, mean, go. it's Jerry Jones' award. Okay. <laughs> His word, whatever he says was happens. Okay. He's writing checks. All right. Not Michael McCarthy. That's, that's true. He is the owner of the most expensive franchise of all time. Yeah. $8 billion. Facts. But what I wanted to say just real quick about the Cowboys, we don't got to help on too much, but I'm just going to say is this. 
they played against the former Super, Super Bowl, Bowl champs. champions. And you're telling me right now, what better game to prepare yourself for a 5-0 and Eagles team is a matchup against Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, Matt Stafford. You got a great coaching staff in the, in, in the LA Rams. So yeah. it just... This was the game to prove that they can play against the Eagles, and that defense showed up. As oh, you yeah. mentioned, Kobe, that defense won games. You look at that, you know, after the game, they're having their huge, you know, their hype, their hype, and coaches saying defense won this, and it's a big thing. Defense is great, and Cooper Rush can't be anything without defense. So, yeah, you which no, was not. No, I was I was just gonna say that I think this is this is one of the best Cowboy defenses I've seen in in a while Thanks. in a in a while because everything that they have done has been nothing short of just. Absolute expectation uh, on the money expectations. You know, Demarcus Lawrence being on that defensive line, and then Micah Parsons possibly probably going to be defensive player of the year. I know there's other people out there, but I think he's probably going to be ending up defensive player of the year. And God forget, and God forbid, knock on wood, he doesn't get hurt. Pray to God. But and then Trayvon Diggs in the secondary. I mean, this team, this Cowboy defense is is looking really sharp and it if you're you know if you're the philadelphia eagles if you're jalen hurts you know and if you're miles sanders you gotta look out for this 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 dallas defense for sure now guys i i i we usually would end the episode right here just talking about football but guess what we're gonna go straight into baseball and and there's no other time right now to talk about baseball besides right now because it's postseason has started postseason is gone on the wild cards are out of the way and we got four series here that have been going on and they're going to be great series we saw last night the first of you know the first game of these four series just went on and we got to talk about these scores the phillies and the braves played last night phillies come away with a 7-6 lead over the braves and win that first game you got mariners and astros i don't even need to say what happened with astros if you under a rock maybe you didn't know one of the best walk-off home runs you've ever seen wins the game Cardi uh, Guardians versus Yankees. Yankees get a 4-1 win over that. And Dodgers versus Padres, 5-3. I want to hear y'all's predictions on these series. And we're going to start off right with the Phillies and Braves. Colton? I, I have, I got to watch this Phillies team when I went to, to Houston to see the Astros play them in the last series of the year. And they're a fun team to watch. They have all of the pieces that they've been looking for for many years now since they kind of restarted their, their, line, their roster following their World Series back in the uh, t- early 2010s. And they they have all the pieces. They have Bryce Harper. They have Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos. They have the batters. And then they have Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola. They have all the pitching. And they have finally hit their stride, I think, against the defending World Series champions in Atlanta. So I think, you know, they had probably their one of their worst pitchers that they're going to put on the mound yesterday, too. And... He struggled, but the defense really played well and, you know, kind of picked them up when you need to be picked up. And the Phillies are going to be hot and the Braves are going to have a tough time. You know, game two is tonight. It's going to start a little later because of a weather delay I saw. But I'm going to take the Phillies. They, they've been hot. They're exciting to watch. So this first off, I, I wish I was on the show last week because I would have been going like mad crazy over the wild card and everything. But unfortunately, my body just could not take my sickness. So um, you're good. But the series alone, I'm really excited for because of the amount of talent that both teams have. But if there's one thing that I learned last year when the Braves you know, won it all against the Astros is that the Braves do not quit. They will fight till the very end. But I know, you know, 
the Phillies are one of those team are one of those sleeper teams that they got the talent. They just gotta back it up. And I want to kind of throw this this fact, this little one fact that I have about this Philly team is that even though they have they've made the playoffs in the past few years, Roy Holiday threw a no hitter in the postseason. Only the second pitcher to do so in the postseason about twelve years ago. So that kind of sparked in my mind the moment I saw the Phillies making the playoffs is, you know, they're back and then they're back and they're back in full swing. But if I had to pick a winner out of the series, oh, it's so tough. But I would probably have to say the Phillies in five. Phillies in five. Here's the thing. Just like me and you, we're both Astros fans. We want to see the Braves take the loss here against the Phillies because what did the Braves do? I really can't pick a winner, though. It's, I, it's I know so it's tough, tough right? It's it, tough. I think this one might be one of the closest series that we've seen like so far. And, uh, no, the Padres and Dodgers. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Phillies and Braves, though, I mean. Joey. Look, I'm going to pick the Phillies here because of what the Braves did to us last year. You know, I, I, I'm not the biggest. I do not follow the Phillies as much, so I don't know the personnel on the Phillies as much. But – I will let you know this. The Phillies here are the underdogs in the situation against mm-hmm. the Braves. And they're going to – I mean, they took the first game. So, I mean, the pressure's on the Braves right now. They really have to step up. They're the ones with everything with everything to lose. They're the ones with the great record. Um, so, it, it's it's really going to come down to the Phillies just playing with nothing to lose. And they're ready and they're trying to take someone out of the playoff contention and keep moving on. And I think that's what the Phillies are going to do. Now, guys – one other series that we got to mention. I don't know if we, we're we're, talk- we're going to talk about all of them. Yeah, we are. Guardians and Yankees, guys. Mm-hmm. Guardians and Yankees is a very interesting matchup. And I'm going to just say my prediction right here before I throw it off to y'all. Guardians and Yankees is this. You got number one powerhouse, uh, you know, for MLB in the past 200 years. You got the Yankees, okay? Yankees are Yankees. We know Yankees. We have Aaron Judge that just did amazing things, you know, broke a home run record. And now they're playing against the Guardians, who are a young team, a team that no one ex- – did anyone expect the Guardians to get here right now? I don't no. think no. I mean, none of it. The Guardians are new. They just went through rebranding. Guys, who do y'all have winning this series? Is it going to be the young Guardians or the old Yankees? I wish the Yankees would lose. I do not like the Yankees at all. <laughs> I just, I <laughs> wish that it was just as easy as that. But they're so good. They yeah, have, they, are. they yeah. have great hitters. Aaron Judge is. Anytime he comes up to the plate, it's it could be a home run. And the pitching is great as well. You got Garrett Cole. You know he's kind of. He's sketchy in the playoffs, but he pitched well last night. And mm-hmm. then you have Nestor Cortez, too. They have so many good pieces to this team. They spent the money, and it is looking like it's going to pay off again. But, you know, if they got to come against the Astros in the next round, then I, I worry for them there. You know, it's funny you said that that the Yankees uh, had this because if you got to remember, Aroldis Chapman did not make the, the postseason roster, which I thought was – Really surprising because he has been known for postseason. Well, I wouldn't say known for postseason, but he has been he has been money in the postseason. Wait, you heard what happened with that, right? He not really know. There was a postseason training camp, and he instead of going to that, just went to Miami and didn't oh go to the postseason <laughs> camp. And he was like, "All right." So the coach called him and is like, "You know what? Just just don't worry about coming back." That's so crazy. his his stand with the Yankees is. All but over at this point. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But if you look back at at the at the Yankees postseason, last their last World Series run was in two thousand nine. That was the year that they won. But since that, they have not gotten even close to the World Series. The closest they've gotten was the ALC was the American League Championship Series. That was the closest they've gotten, and they have not 
been successful in any of those. So I found that very, very interesting. But I won't be surprised. I mean, I want the, the Guardians to win, but I will not be surprised if the Yankees do pull this out because Aaron Judge, I will go ahead and say this outright, he is probably going to win uh, MLB MVP this year. That's not even, not even a debate to discuss. I know Shohei Itani is in that conversation. I know Jordan Alvarez is in that conversation, which we'll dig into him a little bit later. But Aaron Judge, having undoubtedly one of the best seasons of his career, Anthony Rizzo, Giancarlo Stanton, Josh Donaldson, who whose name I didn't think I would ever hear again in in baseball. So, but I won't. But I'm going to go with the Guardians to win it. But I won't be surprised if the Yankees do pull pull out the series. Yeah, I just want to agree with you. The Yankees are just stacked. They're stacked. Yeah. So. Going against a young Guardians team, I, I mean, we can all kind of just tell the Yankees have, <laughs> you know, they're, they're gonna pull through. Um, it's the Yankees, golly. Um, so just you know, I don't follow MLB as much as uh, like college baseball and all that. Um, pretty new to the sport, but still, I I know, I know who to pick when it comes to Yankees and <laughs> the, <laughs> the Cleveland Guardians, who have just been, you know, they're now the Guardians recently in recent years. So, um, yeah. Hitters like Aaron Judge, John Carl Stanton, you know, uh, Anthony Rizzo, you just got players like that. You got a stacked team. They're they're studs. And they, you know, they're my favorites, you know, to, to pull up. But there's the Astros too. So um it's just looking good, like an exciting uh playoffs this year uh for MLB and it's an exciting time to be a baseball fan, especially an MLB fan. It's been uh, you know, last uh coming in the season with the whole um tension between I think it was the player association, right? Yeah. Or yeah. Um, you know, Coming to an agreement with that, some things you know still haven't been settled. But as a fan, you just it's exciting to see, and I'm excited to see how the playoffs will uh, go through. Yeah. Now, one other you know upset that could happen: or a small team playing a huge powerhouse team is one team playing the best record in the entire MLB right now, which is the Padres playing the Dodgers. Now, if you want to find something that's like watching. Little league tele a little league team play a major league team, <laughs> and, but there's just one man named Juan Soto on the little league team. That's what the Padres are right now. They went through a lot of drama with some, uh, you know, there were steroids talked about earlier this year. Padres were getting into Fernando heat. Tatis. Yeah, you know Tatis, what is he doing? I don't know. Um, you know that's not allowed in the MLB anymore. So you know Padres and Dodgers, guys. I this is the game that the series that I'm watching every game of, and and. And, of course, I'm watching the Strohs. But the reason why is because there's not many times where you just get a huge difference in, like, records. Like, you look mm-hmm. at the Dodgers, and the Dodgers' record right now, guys, is is amazing in the regular season. I mean, they won over 100. Un, did, 110. Over yeah, 110. Yeah, not the Yankees, though. The Yankees didn't get to 100. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> they paused at 99. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, I really like to see what the Padres can do. I know they acquired Juan Soto, and, you know, they can do something in this postseason, but they're playing against the powerhouse team. I mean, this is the Dodgers. Astros fans know what the Dodgers can do. Yeah. So, yeah. guys, what are y'all's thoughts on this series between the Padres and Dodgers? Is it just going to be a clean sweep for the Dodgers? or? I don't think so. I, I Honestly, the really. Padres are kind of my underdog, my sleeper team. I like the Padres a lot, and I would love to see them beat the Dodgers. You know, it was it was a much closer game in game one than it, than it looks like. Five to three, they Padres kind of came back in the end after going down super early 5-0. And then tonight you get game two, and it's against two amazing pitchers, Clayton Kershaw for the Dodgers, one of the greatest pitchers of all time, 
one of the worst playoff pitchers of all time. Thank you. I'm and glad you a, said that. <laughs> and a name for the Padres that's very familiar to many Texas baseball fans, you Darvish, starting Ooh. for the San Diego Padres. He has been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year, and it's going to be a great game. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Padres tie it up 1-1. I'm glad you said Clayton Kershaw because I was going to mention that myself. <laughs> but you're right because if you look, I mean, other than you know, other than his, you know, the, that COVID championship that they got, um, Mickey Mouse ring. <laughs> but if you look at their pre, uh, let, let let's let's refer back to 2010. The, you know, in, in, at least in the 2010s, they have not been close to the World Series run. Instant 2010, moving towards you know obviously you know their little ring in 2020, and then obviously last year when they got you know beaten by the Braves. But you're right because Clayton Kershaw has not produced in anything, not against the Cubs, you know, not against the Cardinals, you know, not against uh, the Diamondbacks at one point. It's just not. It has not been his time, and it's it's crazy the fact that we consider. Clayton Kershaw, one of the best pitchers in baseball, but there's a difference between regular season great pitchers and then postseason great pitchers. Clayton Kershaw, great in the regular season, cannot produce in postseason. And it's like the James Harden of MLB. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> but no, he's but you know Colton's right because you know there's you, there's got to be level of consistency when you go into regular season and then when you go into postseason. And so far, we have not seen that from Clayton Kershaw. And so far that he has been in, you know, major league and been in the major leagues. So, but as, as far as this series goes alone, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Jake Myers, former Astro, and Cronenworth, I be- truly believe this Padres team has something to prove. To me, this is the new rivalry in baseball, is the Padres and the Dodgers. To me, it's the newest rivalry in baseball because if you look at you know what they did last. I'm kind of compared to last year when they would have just back and forth games all the time. It was must see. It was must see. So to me, this I'm gonna go with the Padres to win it in this series. But I do. I will not be surprised of how close it will be. Very bold. Very bold take. I. I. You know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say I would love to see the Padres win it as well. And I think you know the Battle of California might just be the new. You know the new thing. These two yeah. teams might be going back and forth for a while. And like uh, you know Juan Soto, we got some new talent on this team, and players can step up. But well, it'll be interesting to see if you're right about playoff pitching <laughs> and and Kershaw not being able to to do it. I'll watch. I'll let. I'll let you know if that's true or not. I'll see if he's <laughs> the James Harden of the MLB. But there's one series that. We're gonna have to talk about. And I saved it for last, and it's the one where you're gonna have to c- just just let it out and what you think is gonna happen. The Astros win a game last night against the Mariners, a game that they were down for majority of the entire game from the start, and they come back bottom of the ninth inning. Jordan Alvarez with a humongous hit. Let me hear y'all's thoughts on this series. Are the Astros gonna get the Mariners out of the playoffs? I was sitting in my room in my apartment just upset just absolutely <laughs> drained emotionally watching this game it was Justin Verlander is the Cy Young this year and just oh, didn't easy. pitch well yeah. no, and it was all. so upsetting and I was like man is this really how it's going to be and then we started coming back Bregman two-run homer you know David Hensley got hit by a pitch Jeremy Pena with the single to set up the walk-off three-run homer I was looking at Twitter and today there was a, a press conference and Martin Maldonado asked Jordan Alvarez today, said, hey, do you got a sore back? You know, because you're carrying the team and 41,000 fans <laughs> on it. So it's a 
I I personally think that yesterday's game was probably the best Mariners baseball you're going to see in the postseason, oh, yeah. and probably the worst Astros baseball you're going to see in the postseason. Yeah. Justin Verlander is not going to pitch that bad. The bats are not going to take that long to respond at all again for the rest of the playoffs, and the Astros still won. So any momentum the Mariners thought they had is gone, and I think the Astros are going to sweep now. You know what? I'm I'm probably going to agree with you on that because I'm not going to lie to you. I was really happy when the Seattle Mariners even clinched a playoff berth to begin with after 20-something years. So kudos to them, but like you said, and I was almost in the same boat as you because I was just stressing every pitch, every at-bat. When, Gu- when Gurriel hit the homer, I was like, okay, they got something on the board. Let's see if they can capitalize. But the moment I saw Seattle start getting more hits, I'm like, oh, this is not gonna, this is not gonna end well. But then Bregman hit that two-run homer to make it a two-run game. And then Alvarez with probably the most no, like no doubt home run I think I've seen in a long time. As soon as it was hit, like yeah, just as knew. soon like as just... soon as that ball was hit, everybody knew it was gone because it got out fast. And what's crazy is it was an upper decker. It was an upper deck tank, tank shot. So uh, for, for them to come back like that is that's what ba- postseason baseball is all about. It, the unpredictability, the great moments that that to me defines an iconic moment in not only out Jordan uh, Alvarez's career, but in ma- postseason baseball history. So but as far as the series go. Justin Verlander, like you said, Colton, no doubtably going to be a, the Cy Young winner this year. I, as much as I love the Mariners and what they have accomplished, I truly do agree with you that this is probably going to be a sweep now because everything that the Mariners have worked for, to me, just died after last night. So I'm going to say Astros win it. I'm not going to say three games because I truly believe they'll get one, but I'm going to give them four games. Here's what I'm going to say. I, every point I agree with you on, 100% Colton and Kobe. And, and, and you're just going to need Verlander to improve, okay? You can't be throwing away 10 hits and six earned runs as a pitcher, especially someone that's going to be winning the Cy Young. Now, obviously, he just had a bad game. He, we could probably see him clear this up, no problem, yeah, next no big games deal. or so. So, but, yeah, no, I I think everyone in the United States right now is probably vo- going to favor. I, I mean, it, it's a close game, actually. Yeah. Seattle hasn't been here in a, in a minute, and mm-hmm. they're playing against the Astros, and the Astros, as we know, we've been here for years and years now, four years in a row or something like that. And, you know, it's just this team, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I really believe that with Justin Verlander hit, uh, I mean, pitching, and you got Jose Altuve doing great. You got Jordan Alvarez, who is just. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, like, that's probably going to be Astro, Astros all time moments. Like, oh, yeah. That's for sure. Easily. Like, right the, next to the Altuve walk up home run against the Yankees. Yes. yes. 100%. Yes. And, and just to think this is only the first round, like, there's no so kidding. much more opportunity <laughs> for Jordan to, fuck, um, to go crazy in that. So it'll be interesting to see. But um, yeah, guys, I mean, that is MLB postseason. Those are the four games that we're going to be looking and updating y'all on next week. So definitely check out MLB postseason. They will be playing tonight. All series will be playing tonight. and It'll be a very interesting game. As Colton mentioned, there is going to be a delay on the Philly and Braves game. That game will be starting on 3.30. Uh, I'm sorry about that. 3.35 p.m. today. And then you have Padres and Dodgers at 7.37. Mariners and Astros tomorrow at 2.37. And then Guardians and Yankees tomorrow at evening 6.37. But yes, 
Guys, this was a wonderful edition of Bobcat. I'm sorry, Claws to the Wall. Um, you can check out next week's episode on Spotify and Apple Music and anywhere you find your podcasts. Make sure and check out KTSW Sports on Instagram and Twitter. For John Carlo, for Kobe Jackson and Colton Gibson, this was Justin Brown. Have a wonderful one, and we'll catch you next time.